Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. The digital revolution is in full swing. It is a pleasure and an honor to try to chronicle and understand it and share some thoughts with you about where this is headed and why and where it might be going. So one of our favorite guests here on Cloud Wars Live is Tony Uphoff. Tony's been a CEO at four different organizations. He's helping uh, business leaders, venture capitalists, and others try to figure out the way forward in these crazy times. And Tony's brings a, a wealth of experience in technology and related fields and being a chief executive sitting atop organizations, most recently went through a big digital transformation. Tony, welcome back. It's always great to see you. Hey, Bob, great to see you. And uh, thanks for having me on as usual. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. And Tony, you know, it's fun. I always uh, enjoy the conversations, partly because you prod me to think about things in some different ways. But, you know, this uh, the industry cloud phenomenon, I think we've we've called it some here. It is it's not just coming up and, uh, you know, becoming an interesting little category or laying over on the side. I get the sense that it is banging into and disrupting a lot of things. Up and down the uh, up and down the line. So I know you had some thoughts on that. You know, Bob, if you look at what's happening, and certainly, you know, the headline might be vertical cloud, and and we could give a lot of examples. Your listeners would certainly know most of them, but all of the major cloud companies are are taking vertical approaches, and it's starting to really accelerate. But I think something far bigger than just a go-to-market strategy is happening here, and I think it's actually rearranging the entire marketplace and industry itself. If you think about it, right, software particularly is now starting to move from a functional approach, i.e. I have a, a CRM problem or I have a financial challenge that I need to automate or a billing issue. Those are functional things. And while that's not going to go away, what you're starting to see is a fairly rapid shift towards companies saying, hey, I have a business problem uh -huh. and it would be nice if I could automate one of my functions along with it, but I really want to accelerate my company or business. So I think that's leading, Bob, this shift from kind of a functional view to much more of an industry view. And, and the examples are all over the place, right? You know, you're starting to see the major tech companies, you know, starting to, through acquisition, Certainly Amazon and Oracle have done this, start to step into some of these markets, you know, like, like healthcare. If you look at some of the partnering that Google is doing around the manufacturing arena where they're co-creating value with some of these companies. And, and I, I think where, where I'm going is in talking to venture capital firms, private equity firms, spending a tremendous amount of time at our Cloud Wars Expo event recently with you know, buyers, chief information officers, and and uh, enterprise tech uh, folks on both sides, the, the buy and sell side of things. Boy, you just keep hearing this over and over that something new is happening. And I, I think the reason it's such a fruitful topic, Bob, is, you know, if this goes the direction it appears to be going, it's going to change everything. So, you know, if you're sitting there as a seller of technology and you think, Oh, you know, big deal. So it's a vertical market. You know, hey, we've got a manufacturing practice too. I, I, it's gone much deeper than that. And I think it's going to impact channels of distribution. It's going to impact go-to-market strategy. But I think, Bob, it's entirely possible it's going to start to change organizational structure within some of the tech companies as well as some of the companies who are using this technology to transform their businesses. 
Yeah, Tony, uh, <clears throat> great points there. And I think one of the reasons why, um, you know, lots of folks have been eager to talk with you both on what you've done on your own as an acceleration economy analyst, as you bring a pretty good understanding of the technology business, but also as a CEO practitioner who's lived through some of these things. So I was really intrigued there by, you know, all of what you said, but in your final point, you said it's going to change everything. So could you just, you know, enumerate a few of the, the big impact things that people ought to be looking for, maybe give them a chance to get out in front of a couple of these things? Yeah. If, if you think about this as, you know, I, I always try to, uh, to, to differentiate when I see a market trend. Is this a pendulum swinging? You know, it was, it was here and now it's swinging back over here. Or is this a trend line? Fundamentally, is this the changing of something as you and I have through 25 years, seen a lot of market transitions. Some perhaps was a head fake and we thought, oh my gosh, everything's running over here. And it turned out it wasn't quite that. This I think is a trend line that is fundamentally changing things. So I'll give you a couple of examples here. If, if you think about historically in technology, particularly enterprise technology, the, the questions that would be asked, whether that's starting at the boardroom or down into the, the technology departments or engagements with vendors, would tend to be around which one or which ones do we evaluate? Terms like short list. Gee, we need a Gartner quadrant and we need some things to kind of sort through the available options because gee, we need a CRM system or we need a cloud provider or we need this or we need that. What I'm hearing now is much more, how do I? So how do I solve this business problem? And again, the decision on the technology doesn't go away, but it puts it in a very different framework. Yeah. And so I think that's a shift, Bob, that, again, I was joking with you before we went on, on camera here that it seems kind of Forrest Gumpian in its simplicity, but oftentimes market transitions are. Yeah. They're so, so obvious they're happening before your very eyes, and then you wake up and you go, oh, I should have paid attention <laughs> to this. So I think that idea of you know, leading with, how is this going to impact or how will it solve my business problem is the big shift. So what might change as we watch this play out, Bob? Well, I would point to one of the stories that you've been following, which was the multi-cloud joint uh, announcement between Microsoft and Oracle. Yeah. You know, let me be blunt, and I hope I don't offend any of our friends at, at Microsoft or Oracle, but 10 years ago, no one, and I mean no one would have started a sentence saying, hey, you know who's a great partner? Either one of those companies, right? And I, and I say that with, with respect. You know, these are you know, tough companies that have scaled and been hyper aggressive and built remarkable you know, brands and franchises and businesses that are, that are just astounding. Now, all of a sudden, to watch them start to say, wait a second, there is something changing here. A, we need to partner and, and co-opetition you know, with each other and find a way, but it's 100% focused on solving customer yeah. problems and industry issues. It's not, hey, you have SQL and we have this over here, ipso facto, boy, yeah. you know, we put these two <laughs> together, hey, buddy, we'll go out to the marketplace and, and generate another billion in revenue. And I, I think that's really a great example. I think the, the, the next one too that I would point to is, and we've seen all kinds of great vertical cloud announcements and strategies, and you've chronicled so many of them, Bob. 
I, I think the other thing is we're starting to see companies really start to surface complex, thorny business issues that technology has the opportunity to help transform. I, I, I give a good example at Cloud Wars Expo. You, you did a phenomenal uh, uh, interview, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you, if you don't mind, illuminate his name, uh, because I'll probably butcher it, but it was one of the professors from the Haas uh, Berkeley School of Business, and he was talking about the concept that today in business, and we're seeing this play out in the supply chain, the days of having marketing drive demand in isolation and operations fulfill on that demand simply doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Business has gotten too complex. Things are moving too quickly. Supply chain is a 24-hour-a-day thrill ride of understanding what's <laughs> happening there, as is demand, by the way. He, he introduced me, at least in that conversation, to the term demand distortion events. Uh -huh. And I had been struggling to articulate what we had seen happen during and post, hopefully, the COVID pandemic, because you know demand you know surged in areas that frankly were in very mature industries, and then post COVID, you saw demand start to move around a little bit, both up and down in areas that I think would have been very difficult to predict. So my point I'm making on the the impact that this vertical approach and industry approach to technology is also going to change. I think you're going to see two things. I think you're going to see a lot of um, enterprises are going to start, if they haven't already, start to rethink how those silos operate and how literally they're organized internally, because we can no longer just, you know, throw demand over the wall and hope it sorts itself out on the, on the supply chain side of things. In some respects, supply chain is going to need to go first, and we're going to need to create the flywheel that way. I think the other, and, and I would point to your conversation and, and analysis of Julia White's um, role at SAP, and I, I don't know if a lot of people really grasped yeah. the point you were making, which is a very subtle point. If you look at her title and you look at it quickly, you think she is, quote unquote, the CMO of the company. That's actually not the case. That is a part of what she does, but she also has control over some other things. So two main points I'm making here, Bob, that I think in addition to the industry partnerships, I think we'll see that accelerate um, and, and, and they're gonna be business led. I think organizations are gonna adapt and, and shift in terms of inside the enterprise. And then I think on the vendor side, I think the example of SAP is gonna to start to accelerate too. I think you're gonna see some reorganization of duties and not just in a you know, symbolic title-based way. I mean, in a real functional, operational uh, uh, framework there. And I think those are kind of three things, Bob, that hit me that this trend is probably, you know, as it accelerates, that's what's probably going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, and if I could add a fourth to that, because I, I really love where you're going with this, it would be the, the sort of the new kids at the decision-making table. So, those organizational changes that you described surface new leaders uh, or uh, somebody who is leading not just this team, but also this team in some way, but um, new senses of responsibility. And I think some of these new leaders, Tony, who are now having voices in the discussion about what are the challenges we you know, take on first? What do we give priority to? What are we trying to solve here? And then which technologies do we bring in to address this? 
they don't have five or 10 or 20 years history with Microsoft and Oracle Such a and, good point. and Microsoft. Did they just say from today forward, who's Such a good the best point. thing to get as opposed to, you know, some people might say, well, you know, we're a XYZ shop or we're a this, that, that. And that was, that was fine at one point, but I, I don't think so. So Tony, and you think about, like you said, with uh, the magnitude of the uh, Ellison Nadella conversation, which we're going to talk about some, uh, you know, an upcoming or in a recent uh, Cloud Wars minute and article. Both of them got up, and in a fairly short period of time, they talked about this whole future of multi cloud, but they talked about it through the eyes of the customer. It'll make this easier, yep. this easier, it'll help with this. And I think, in addition to those things of getting it easier, part of it was a public declaration of saying, hey, we realize there's been a shift here. You know, the balance of power in the tech industry between buyers and sellers, it has gone totally over yep. to buyers. And I think it was sort of an acknowledgement saying, we're going to make multi-cloud easy, not because we're going to throw you a bone, but because we know that this is the coming expectation. And if you don't make this happen, uh, vendor XYZ, it doesn't matter all the other stuff you're doing because the multi-cloud is the, is the world they live in. So, Tony, I thought it was really refreshing to see uh, the level of new type of conversation that Ellison and Nadella were having. Uh, and it was very upbeat, very optimistic. And so, like you said, you know, the if you think back, it wouldn't have been that, well, even today, right? I suspect there are Microsoft sales teams and Oracle sales teams clawing each other's eyes out for a big infrastructure yeah. an application yeah. or a database. But yet, but yet because of the customers yeah. now being at the top of the pyramid, they're also saying, but we'll play together where that where that makes sense. Yeah. Well and I think Bob, you know, two things. I think your your point of of um, new and or different decision makers gathering around the table today inside companies, I, I think is huge. There's both generational dynamics there. At, at play as the millennial generation becomes a massive decision-making body inside uh, businesses. And, and that's a piece of it. But I also think, you know, it's, it's fascinating not to, to go too macro in the conversation, but we're also witnessing a bit of a reevaluation of traditional gatekeepers, mm -hmm. whether those traditional gatekeepers were media brands or, you know, uh, um, uh, analyst companies or whoever it might be, I think there's a um, it, 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 a higher level of scrutiny, if if not, you know, yeah. kind of, um, hey, tell me something I don't know, yeah. and or you know, <laughs> help me with this problem. I, I know you have a quadrant or a box you're going to try to sell me, but you know what? I'm really I've got a problem over here, and I think those things are coming together. And, and yeah. I think part of this is. You know, it's, it's always that famous chicken or the egg. You and I have debated this for years. It, 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 have we witnessed such a, a massive shift in the way technology is enabling things that that's what's happening? Or is this a cultural and societal shift and that's driving some of these technological changes? You know, we could spend the rest of our lives debating that. But I think what is fascinating to me is that the, at the end of the day, and you really nailed this, I think we've come through an era where the vendor has controlled so much of the outcome. You know, you know, you're you're going to take this because this is what's available, right? <laughs> and I think the the smart vendors have realized, boy, this is at the end of the day a version of software. Uh -huh. We can customize this, 
based on solving business challenges. And so I think there's a really interesting, you know, again, I'm not trying to say uh, anything other than customers are in the driver's seat today. And I think who really wins is not just that customer. I think the smart technology companies win in a customer-centric view of the world if, if they can, you know, co-create with that customer and get in sync with that customer. And, and obviously the results of some of the companies that we've mentioned would indicate they've figured out how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tony, sort of closing the loop on that, the, the uh, speaker at Cloud Wars Expo that you referenced before was Professor Lu Yi Yang from uh, the Thank school you. at Berkeley. Yeah. And, and when he talked about, he was talking about supply chain, that's his area of specialization. I asked him about the demand chain thing that, and when he brought up as, as you described, well, you got operations run supply chain. And uh, he said, it's, it's not surprising that there's a lack of cohesion here because operations runs supply chain, but marketing runs demand chain. And he sort of dropped it. Like, well, isn't that obvious? And I was thinking, well, wait a minute, don't they work for the same company? You know, if it's right there, why don't they get this? And he said, well, it's cultural, it's procedural, it's, you know, there are some probably some things in bonus provisions and all. But so you've laid out just a moment ago a great case for where the tech vendors, the tech vendors have to be smarter. And I think at the same time, you know, with your CEO hat on, you could say, it's also time for the CEOs to address these areas inside their organizations where it's not so much you've got departments warring with each other, but um, maybe passive aggressively battling by not coming together. So you have these things like, well, operations does this and marketing does this and never right. the shall meet. That's crazy. Well, and, and Bob, your point, I think, as, as um, the professor noted and as you're noting, when you pull the thread on this, you know, having come into different companies where I, I've been fortunate enough to have the opportunity to come in and see if we could get things rearranged and get the company back into growth. Oftentimes what you find is exactly what you describe. You start to pull on a thread and you realize, you know, perhaps organizationally structure wise, the company wasn't structured the right, right way, but you also relate to that find misaligned incentives. Marketing is incented yeah. <laughs> by how many quote unquote new prospects get fit into a, a, a quote unquote marketing funnel uh-huh. and all the way up the chain from the lowest position to the highest position in marketing is myopically focused on that. And they, they think what they're really, you know, they're, that they're serving is in some way, shape or form sales, but depending even in purely digital businesses, like the ones you and I have grown up in, there still is a, an operational supply component. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think, you know, an overused expression, but breaking down of those silos and more importantly, taking a more enlightened view of saying, hey, we're, we're actually looking at two sides of the same coin. The problem is we're not doing it collaboratively. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. you know, this is, you know, this is really problematic. We don't start finding kind of a, a more holistic view of this and solving the issue. And, and I, I do think part of it's organizational, part of it is a interoperable, you know, data set kind of how, how do we line this up? I think at the end of the day, you know, the, the idea of a demand chain, a supply chain is starting to converge. Uh-huh. 
And, and, and I think what, what we're realizing is these are inextricably intertwined and particularly in an era where we're going to see these demand distortion events, you know, whether it's Netflix with a huge surprise or the auto industry where, you know, demand lifted the highest rate they've seen in, I don't know, 60 or 70 years since there wasn't a car in every driveway, no. neither seem to have seen these things happen. One was a downward draft. The other, you know, was an upward draft. So long way of saying, I, I think um, I, I think we're starting to see and we'll continue to see a complete reimagination. You know, just what we're seeing on the vendor where there's unique partnerships. Um, there's different titles and organizational structures, very clearly different way of engaging and working with customers. I think you're making the clarion call, Bob, that, the enterprise yeah. needs to really start to rethink this because you know you you can't sit back and you know kind of watch this play out. I think you you've got to you've got to take a different approach. The, the one last kind of related point I would make: the interview that you did with the the chief information officer of Goya Foods, in my mind, was a good example of a company. You know, again, not a new industry. You know. Lots of supply and demand complexity around it, and and you know I, I thought just a great example of trying to break down some of those silos, use technology as a way to accelerate the business certainly, but also quite a bit of change within that hundred plus year organization, and a lot of it organizational and structural. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Tony, I sure agree. And you know, if I could add one thing to a couple of great points that you've made here, right? I love that term from Lu Yi Yang about uh, demand distortion. So if you pick up, you know, uh, somebody that you had mentioned before, Julia White, the chief marketing solution officer at SAP, a couple months ago at SAP Sapphire event, she told this great story of a fictional uh, apparel company, Trilogy Jeans. And in the story that she told Tony, which was really one of uniting supply and demand chains, uh, I don't think she used this term, but Trilogy was creating the demand distortion event. They were going to launch a new brand of jeans, and they wanted to really make sure that it came out with a big roar as they got all the influencers and social media and cranking it up that way. So there are sometimes companies create the you know demand interesting and if they are yeah. not also fully interconnected with you know the the operations side it'd be like oh well why didn't somebody tell us about this we didn't really yeah get the production or the logistics or the delivery and the pricing and you know the training uh you know all of that so tony it's really there uh, may i please as a closer tell you a, a larry ellison story please well i please. i think it, it does. It kind of ties in with this. In my head, it does. I'm not sure it does, but it is a good story. So um, yeah, 10 or 12 years ago, uh, you know, he had the Oracle racing team and chasing the Americas. Yeah. Cup, and they had lost a, a heartbreaker. And he was pretty well bonded, determined that for, in 2013 or 14, I, I can't remember. He said, I'm tired of losing. He said, we're going to do something different. He had all the design, everybody in the whole racing organization in for a couple of meetings that I want new ideas. I want new approaches. I want this. So let's reconvene in two weeks. So they came back, a few people talking about things. And one guy gets up and he says, well, I, I found out about this really uh, interesting new type of sale. He said, it's called a fixed wing sale, like an airplane wing. 
and Larry's head sort of picked up and uh, he said, what's it like? He's, the guy said, oh, it's fast as hell, but it's, it's, it's impossible to control. It's very dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. He says, go build one. Right, so, uh, so, so uh, the guys come back and he's right away. First thing, what, how, how did that go? I said, oh, he said, it's, it's fast, but it's, it's impossible to control and it's unruly and this and that. I said, go build one, you know, 50 feet tall. So they're all sort of, you know, worrying about this, but they go out and they create one. How was it? Oh, it's great, fast as hell, but, you know, it's difficult. And he said, okay, go create one 100 feet tall. He said, but Larry, nobody's ever created one that big. And he said, that's the point. He said, we'll have one and they won't. And I think, Tony, in some ways, you know, we see organizations and this part does this and this one does this. And you want to just shake and say, aren't we all united in this one thing to have something that nobody else has? Um, yeah. So uh, did that fit? Was that germane? It, it, it fit beautifully. And I will hold for now, but please, <laughs> at a later date, next uh, episode, perhaps, I will tell the story of uh, going on at the time it was Larry Ellison's yacht. I believe he sent sold it to David Geffen and it's called the rising sun. <laughs> and uh, that was a whole different experience, but <laughs> Hey, all, all kidding aside, I think you were, um, your point's really an interesting one. And I think, you know, we, you and I have seen over the years, these moments where there's a step change in, in the capabilities of technology. And oftentimes when that happens, it's not incremental yeah. in terms of the impact. You know, it, it, you look back and you realize it was almost exponential, but it, you know, it, these aren't linear, you know, yeah. the, these things happen and then plateau and then they have, but we're clearly in one of those step changes right now. And I think that clarion call for really reimagining let's build a hundred foot sail fixed yeah. uh, fixed wing sail and you know i think the the reimagination of what you can do in business and and through the use of some of these really remarkable technologies that by the way are within the grasp of almost any size company yeah. today i mean that's yeah. really what the fascinating nature of the scalability of a lot of the cloud-based you know, uh, tools and, and infrastructures is just so remarkable. But I do think it puts the pressure on C-level executives inside companies. I'm not talking about the tech uh, companies for a minute. I think it puts a lot of pressure on, hey, if, if, you, if you take the governor off, if you take the uh -huh. limits off, what could you do? Uh -huh. And I think, you, I think you're probably seeing, you know, various industries you know, it's the old, uh, it's the old third, a third and a third, Bob. I don't know if you ever heard this, but oftentimes when you come in to talk to an organization and you're really looking at some change, you know, there's a third of the people that lean forward and is like, I've been waiting for somebody to walk through the door and be like this. There's a, a, a third of the people that are kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. And there's a third that clearly aren't into it. And, you know, you focus on the two thirds and don't focus yeah. on the third, but yeah. I, I think there's really an interesting time and, and perhaps um, a unique opportunity for a lot of companies to really start to reimagine their role in that industry because mm -hmm. the industry is going through a massive digital transformation and it's creating new capabilities, but make no mistake about it. It's also creating new competitors. Yeah. You know, yeah. If, if, if I was a lumbering, and there are a lot of them out there, inefficient healthcare organization and Oracle by Cerner and um, uh, Amazon uh, 
steps in through acquisition, I, I think I'd be kind of, uh-oh, I, I, I got to think about it. As you and I talked before too, we haven't yet heard from Apple when we start to think about some of these vertical markets. Uh-huh. And you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't think the electric vehicle market is going to be just Tesla and then the other folks for much longer. I think you're going to see some of these companies like Apple step into these, you know, these industries in a very visceral way and talk about coopetition. I think there's going to be some fascinating dynamics play out there as well. Well, Tony, that's that's fantastic. And I think maybe, uh, you know, so next episode or some future episode, we got to get into your rising sun story. Want to hear about that. And also, I really like, you know, your point about what happens if you take the governors off? Let's dig into yeah. that at some point, because um, I know one of the things that I really admired that Google Cloud has done in the past year, they introduced a big new uh, data management almost like strategy and set of products where they look at things and they just call it unlimited, right? So wow. they're, they're pushing yeah. that idea out there, right? And uh, and I think that would be a fascinating, you know, next topic for us to, uh, to muse on. I look forward to it, my friend. Thank you very much. It's great to see you. And uh, I look forward to the next episode. And Tony, any chance on one of these two? Maybe you'd uh, uh, strum a little guitar for us? You know, I spent some time this weekend restringing a couple of the guitars. Now, by the way, let me be very clear. That doesn't mean I know how to play them. <laughs> I, I do know how to restring them, though. So it's a step in the right direction. So listen, if, if we get a popular vote sure, from sure. viewers, if, if right. there's enough out there, all all right. the, I'd have to pre-tape it. Uh, you know, we'll, because, you know, we'll on the spot, you know, you know, <laughs> I, might, I might not be able to conjure up a great uh, virtuoso performance. <laughs> well, Tony, thanks a million. This is wonderful. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. We will be back next month. And Tony, uh, I think, is going to do his uh, his guitar, probably play for about 15, 20 minutes. We'll take requests. So, you know, send in early, send in often. No pressure, pal. Tony, we'll see you. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. All right, bud. Very nicely done there, my friend. Very nice.